0: You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now, here's your host, Dirk Novell.
1: Everybody, this is Dirk Novell. On with me today is a friend of mine, Michael Regan. Michael, welcome.
0: Thank you for Dirk. Thank you. Oh, as I call you Dirky, but thank you, Dirk. I really appreciate you having me on.
1: You know, I needed that smile and the laugh. like you, you got amazing energy. Every time I talk to you, you're in a good mood. Do you ever get in a bad mood, by the way?
0: No. I, I mean, all the time I deal with things like, you know, self-doubt, you know, getting into bad, you know, when things don't go your way or you have a meeting that doesn't go your way or just things are tough, right? You know, tough yeah. world, tough kind of business environment, things like that. But You know, there's always a mantra I tell myself um, every day, I kind of tell myself what I'm thankful for, and really helps me get out of it. It doesn't mean that I don't have down times or anything like that. But it also means that overall, I'm a very positive person, I believe things always work out because and quite frankly, in my life, they have, you know, we all go through trials and tribulations. But I think it's how you keep the mindset of, you know, look, we all have to go through bad things to really enjoy and appreciate the good and so it's just you know it's kind of the yin and the yang to life and so it just keeps me going I mean and I enjoy I I, you know me I'm a big like experienced guy like I just uh, enjoy experiences in life and doing cool stuff and I mean it's hard to be miserable when you're actually enjoying life so well
1: which is kind of the podcast theme uh, trying to enjoy life through your career Um, you know by the way I've done a bunch of these. I think I think you're number 50. Um, and I tried to mix up my wardrobe and I didn't have any flowered Hawaiian shirts, but this, this was the best I could find. It's kind of a subtle, but Michael loves to wear the coolest shirts. Uh, I, I, that's what I love about you. But a little backdrop just before I, I hand it over to Michael. So I'm part of this mortgage coaching group and there's a bunch of us, a lot of really talented women and men. And that's how I met Michael. Michael's in the same group. And it's interesting, like whether you're, what career you're looking at getting into, one of the things I've really learned is get around people that do it better than you, uh, or just somewhere you can learn from. And Michael's one of those guys in our group that just does it different. And I, and this podcast is about being in your flow. And I really believe Michael is one of those guys who is certainly in his flow. He does it differently than anybody I know. Uh, and I think that's important is you got to be yourself. Um, truth is the best script and Michael certainly is living that. And, uh, he again is in the mortgage business, but he has a very interesting background, which we'll get into Michael. I'll let you, um, imagine sitting in your favorite Hawaiian t-shirt, uh, (laughs) drinking a root beer at the, on the coffee or at a corner of a Paluma, whatever. (laughs) And someone says, what do you do? Uh, how would you, uh, answer that question?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, there, there's two ways to do it. I mean, if I'm, I'm in my business mindset, right, you know, pretty much is what I do is really help people create their dreams, um, you know, I, and I help people build wealth is really what I help people do. I help people, you know, what, always what I tell people is, look, what is the number one cause of stress in the world? Well, the answer is Financial. Well, if I can help people with their financial stress and put them into a better situation and really be able to alleviate that, give them clarity, give them, you know, just that, that monkey off their back of, hey, we're going to put you in the right position to be the most successful in life. We're going to put you in a position where hopefully, you know, your house is paid off. You've got some save for retirement. You've paid bills off. Like if I can help really help eliminate that financial stress, then I am quite frankly, am more valuable than a doctor because you're not going to need to go to a doctor if I've done my job right. And that's really how I see what we do in my business is that we put people in that position to help alleviate their financial stress, which obviously eliminates health problems, all kinds of things. So I see it, I guess the basic, I don't like the word necessarily holistic, but I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, that's kind of what it does. If you do it right, that's the impact that it can have on people's lives. So, you know, from a business perspective, that's what I see. Um, of what I do. Then on a very simplified version of what I do within our business is I'm essentially biz dev, right? Business development. Um, but really what I do is, you know, when I talk to people is our whole goal is to really improve pe- people's financial lives, uh, because that can have major implications over the whole rest of their life, including their family success. So that's kind of how I see it. Awesome. Um,
1: I'm just thinking, you know, the thing that's interesting about you is, You know, you're licensed. We're in the same industry. We're in in real estate lending, but you are titled more as a biz dev person. And so what's interesting is if you're watching Michael and listening and you're thinking you want to get into sales, maybe in real estate lending, whatever, you know, he has a flavor of it. That's different than anyone I've seen. People are starting to do more biz dev, but at the end of the day, he has a partner who's actually his wife who is on the loan side kind of dealing with A to Z. Michael's job really is to get out there, rub shoulders, meet people who are influential. We call them referral partners. But I guess one of my questions is, did it take a while to, to kind of come to the conclusion that was your best use of time uh, versus maybe sitting at a desk, collecting documentation, being out and about with people?
0: Yeah, well, I um. So Durky, good, great question. And What I would say is this, I've always known that about myself, but it took me a while to get to that position. I knew that I was never structured. I mean, the initial jobs that I had, you know, say working in high school or college, that kind of stuff. I knew that I really struggled having to stay in one location for a time. And I can just remember like my first job, you know, and you're having to stay in some retail store for eight hours. I was bored out of my mind. Like it was, I just couldn't sit still. Like that's not who I, how I'm built. And I really needed to, to be free, to do what I want when I want. I didn't know what that looked like necessarily. but as, you know, I got into the loan business, I was doing, you know, sitting at a desk, you know, doing the what you think of a typical loan officer do. And I can't say I was super happy, but I knew that I liked certain aspects of the business, but that sitting at a desk for, you know eight hours a day and doing the paperwork, that was not where my zone of genius was. that was not where my happy. Place was essentially. But the cool thing is, because my wife got me into the business, she was really good, like, because she had started as a processor. So she really had the paperwork angle, the configuring, you know, really putting together loans, you know, fitting pieces of a puzzle together. Like, that's really what gets her, you know, going is she loves solving puzzles. And so the whole thing is, is that we were separate LOs. We actually, at one point or a couple of points, we were at different companies. But finally, we said, okay, enough of this, we got to go in business on our own. And we had had the conversation for kind of years of look, she didn't like going out and getting the business. And I despise sitting in the office all day and doing the paperwork. And so we just said, hey, this is kind of what we're, we're going to do, you're going to go out and get the business, I'm going to close the business. And that's how it started. So when we went out together in March of 10, of 20, 2010, that's where it started, And we formed our team. And it was like I go get the business, and and there's other things I do, but but she's the one who closes the loans and talks to the clients for the most part, all that kind of stuff, and so it it really worked. I mean, there was definitely a lot of a lot of challenges along the way, right? Like us finding our place, our lane. But you know, after a few years, it really started to come together, and I mean, we've been doing it since then, and it's definitely. I would say it's it's an optimal situation because I'm able to do what I really am passionate about, and then she's able to do what she's you know what she wanted to do and what she's really talented at. So it, it's worked out to have that that kind of synergy.
1: Yeah, I mean, you guys are a super strong team. Um, you know, it's what's what it's made me think about like meeting you, and I remember like thinking, yeah, that makes sense. I need to hire a biz dev person, or because uh, I personally don't, I like people. I mean, I love people, but <laughs> I don't love the meetings and going out there. I mean, that's just not my genius zone. That's not where I get energized. But like, I thought about like what you do, it can almost change the way everybody does something. Like you might be, your wife might be a hairdresser and you could be her biz dev person to bring her clients or my wife's nutritionist, I I could be her biz dev person. I mean, it's interesting way to look at it. I mean, you just so happen to be in the lending business but I think the title of biz dev manager, whatever you want to call it, it's a really interesting angle that can be applicable to a lot of industries.
0: So I think it's... Yeah, you're 100% right, Dirk. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you were a doctor's office, right? A dentist, whatever. Your whole thing is you need to have some way generally. I mean, once you get to a point where you got that snowball going and people are just you know calling you, that kind of thing, but at least initially to get it going and to really preserve and grow the business you need to get it, right? Some people will do newspaper ads, they'll do, you know, different kinds of advertising. Well, you're just doing what a really good business development officer could do for probably a lot higher, high ROI. You know, essentially, it's the same kind of thing. If you got a good biz dev for your dental practice, your medical practice, your insurance agency, whatever it is, they could be driving in a lot of business to you. And so you could sit there and run the business, but have someone actually generating business at a quite frankly, a higher ROI than having to spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on advertising. So it's just a way that you can definitely institute it in any business really that is you're selling something to somebody. So absolutely. And what I also think is cool is you have a TV background, correct? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And so briefly kind of talk, talk to the audience, like just in a nutshell, what you did.
0: Yeah, so what I did is my degree is in radio and television. That's actually what my degree is in. Um, went to San Francisco State, which is one of the better uh, broadcasting uh, schools on the West Coast. And I got a job with an NBC affiliate right out of school as an anchor and reporter. Um, I did that for a bit and then had to come back when my dad got sick. But, you know, long story there. But nonetheless, I mean, that's what I did. I was an anchor and reporter um, on the news side, not the sports side, but the news side. So, you know, I, that that's what kind of gives me that I have that media background and going out, because I mean, part of being a reporter is you have to go in a very big time crunch, and you have to not only find the story, you've got to get sources, you've got to film it, you've got to edit it, you've got to get it up, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot to it. Um, so it's cool to to take that TV background that I have, and that I loved, but to implement it in my business has been really cool to, to use that video in my business. And And so it's kind of cool how, like, you wouldn't necessarily think that degree would tie into loans. But it's amazing how things kind of come together. You just never know how things work out. Yeah, I mean, that's so
1: interesting because, like, Michael has a bunch of reels videos that he puts out that are really good. Like, I see a lot of those reels, and sometimes I don't pay attention just because sometimes it's a a lot. But you have a way, like, it's like Jedi mind trick. I don't know what you're doing, Uh, but like, I pay attention to yours. Like, you have the skills you probably learned as a reporter, you're certainly utilizing and leveraging now in the mortgage business, but you've kind of created like, this really cool job career that is in alignment with you to the core. And you know finances can be boring, or I mean, it can or it can be dry to some people, but you've actually found a really interesting way to mix it up and make it fun and creative, which, which you are a creative guy. Um, but I know that only goes so far. So the flip side of that is, what is it about you though? Like, I mean, there's a lot of people that do what we do. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of people in the business barriers to entry isn't high, but somehow you've become uh, you found it a way to make it very sticky in terms mm-hmm. of bringing in loyal referral partners. Yeah. What do you think it is about yourself that makes people so drawn to you?
0: Well, I think it's a it's a couple of things is number one, I have a growth mindset. So that means I'm always learning. All right. I, I think a lot of people, and I see it and it kind of makes me cringe is you'll try to have a conversation with someone like, oh yeah, I know that, I know this, I know this, you know, oh no, I would never try that. You know, they're very limiting. They definitely have a fixed mindset. And that's quite, I mean, realistically, that's a huge part of the population, right? But when my thing is, I'm always curious. Like I always wanna be better. I couldn't imagine, like for me, I could imagine a life where I'm not trying to do something different or I'm not trying to learn, you know, something new and exciting or trying new experience. And so for me, it's having that growth mindset also creates positivity, because when I, when I see an opportunity, I'm like, okay, let me look at that, and let me try to find either the good part about it, or let me try to find how to make it good, right, and so, or also, I'm like, you know what, look, fear is a big driver for a lot of people, and it, it can impact me, no doubt about it, but what I do is I use that fear as motivation, and also say, hey, look, this scares the heck out of me, but I'm still going to do it anyhow, right, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, getting back into video, that was one of those things, everyone always wonders, what are people going to think? You know, when you get on in front of a big audience, things like that. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't care. Like, I, that's not why I do it. I want to do it to empower people. I want to do it to help people. And I guess I just have that mentality where, number one, I've I've learned early in my career when to say no and when to say hell yes, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a huge difference on that. And early in, in your career in the loan business, you kind of have to deal with whatever. You're like, you have to take whatever. you got to get that snowball going. But what I've done is once we got that snowball going, uh, going we realized that, hey, look, there, I want to surround myself with people who are that I want to be around, who I genuinely like, and that I want to help, and that we have a synergy together. So what I've done is I meet a ton of people, and I'm okay saying, hey, it was great to meet you, and then that's it, right? Like, they know who we are, you know, that kind of thing, but I know they're not my person. They're not my tribe. But conversely, when I meet other people, I'm like, no, these are my people. Like, I I really like them. I connect with them. I can help them. They're more growth mindset oriented. So they're like me. So there's a connection. So what that does is that I connect with those people who I, you know, who we connect with at a deeper level. So, so many of my relationships aren't just, you know, skin deep. They're, they're truly deeper than that. I mean, it's just one of those things where the people I work with, I truly enjoy. I like working with them. I like helping them and I like helping them do better. So that gives me the excitement, that gives me the passion, where I think a lot in our business, we're always taught in sales, kind of just say yes to everything. And I I don't believe that's the way to do it. I have no doubt people do it successfully. But I also know that I'm happy in what I'm doing. And I work with people I really enjoy. So I think that's the kind of gist is I'm very specific and particular on who I surround myself with, and who I work with. Because quite frankly, I don't care how much business someone does, how much money they have, or they don't. I don't care. If you're a good person, I like you. I like you, and if you're not, I don't want anything to do with you. So that that's what helps me is I'm very concrete on my values and who I'm willing to work with, who I'm willing to, what I'm willing to work with, and what I'm willing to put up with or not. Right. And so I think in this business, I don't see a lot of people having the backbone, quite frankly, to do that. Like they'll just take anything, and but then they're unhappy because then they're working with people that don't make them happy. Right. And Turkey, to your point, like our group L360, right. The whole awesome thing is when you surround yourself by people who are trying to be better and who are really good at what they do and want to learn more, that empowers you. So I think it's just that whole, my whole mentality and my value system is I want to be surrounded by people who want to be better, who are working to be better, who have that positive mentality. And, you know, essentially we all work together and that energy builds on it. And then it just makes things awesome. Whereas, you know, again, the opposite is you put yourself around really credit people. Guess what? You're going to be miserable in your job. So that's, that's kind of where I see the difference is I'm very clear on who I want to work with, what type of relationship I want to have. And then I go find those relationships and I'm okay saying no. So that hopefully yeah. answers that one.
1: No, I think that's really valuable. And I'm trying to think how to articulate that to a younger audience. Cause I think, you know, like even the flavors of sales, I mean, you could be in an annuity income, you can be in a oh, yeah. big home run opportunity, hit single, start over every month. You know, we are in a business where may, maybe our coach might, he said something on a podcast about he believes it's an annuity. I, I, I don't know about that. I, I would, I mean, you know, I just interviewed a financial planner. That's definitely an annuity, which means you get paid on building a book of business. You know, so when you're listening to Michael, like the thing that I think is really valuable is it's very important to uh, attract the people. That you want in your life and it's okay to say no and Mm -hmm. i think if you're dead set on getting into sales whether it's our industry or another you know you need to um pay attention to the people you let into your lives because i just like you said i've had some nightmare referral partners over the years who made my life miserable, you know, no sleep on weekends, you know, just, and I'm like, you know what, I'm done with this person. Um, so I think it's really valuable information that you're giving. One of the things you said too is, you know, for the audience, we're in a market right now. My opinion, it's a difficult time. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling right now with volume, trying to figure out how to differentiate myself. Um, it's hard. I mean, I'm really struggling right now. Mm -hmm. And you talk about, you're always looking at improving, always learning, you also mentioned you're doing some new things that are, you know, you're playing around trying to test the market. What are some of the things you're doing right now to try to shake it up? Um, because the old ways sometimes doesn't work. So you got to figure out, you know, you got to recreate yourself.
0: No, 100%, Derky, you're right. And, and so what this allows is, and this actually, Patricia said it kind of the best is when we were talking about it, you know, people always ask, oh, it's a difficult market. How are you guys doing all that? And it's like, yeah, it's, it's grinding. I mean, the last year we've been in housing recession, right? Not housing prices going down, but housing recession. There just is an inventory and it's definitely been a more challenging market. But what this down or slower time allows you to do is get better. Because when it's super busy, you don't have time to, hey, if I want to learn how to do a new skill, I just, I really don't have the bandwidth. I mean, going through 19 through 21, you just didn't have the bandwidth. You're just, you know, treading water, right? Just to keep up with the business. So what a time like this allows you to do is to work on those skills, you know, where if you wanted a certain designation, if you wanted to learn about a certain financial term or or anything, I mean, it doesn't have to be in finances. You're able to do it, or in my case, trying new stuff. So it's like what I did this year or really end, starting last year, what I started doing is getting back to my video roots. Because right? I kind of, I used to do video early in our business and I still have it with our clients, but I didn't do outside video. You know, I wasn't doing social media. I wasn't doing, I quite frankly... Don't usually post a lot of personal stuff because I tend to be a more private person, you know, um, be, with my personal family stuff. But I had a kind of a revelation. I went to a conference last year, and I had a revelation when I was there that one of the speakers said something about, you know, essentially what people are missing with video, or or how I interpret it was this: was it made more sense to do more video and to be outward about it because? it does two things number 1 it's a second kind of crm okay so it's a, a customer retention I've, i i can't even i've been saying crm for so long i can't remember what it stands for but point is you keep it up with your clients the whole point is it's another type of crm and then on top of that you're able to get out there and be the expert to the people who start following you and that is super powerful because it doesn't matter how many followers you have it doesn't matter any of that it's Really, are you connecting with the people that you know? And then as you meet them, people are able to get to know you on a better level through that. And then, because I, I can't tell you how many people, what blew my mind and I got this in real reality, as I started doing getting back to video and doing the reels, it allowed me to be creative, which was really cool because it got me back to those the video roots. It got me back to doing the editing, like having fun in the business because the day-to-day business necessarily isn't that exciting, right? And that's true for most businesses. But it allowed me to get back to being creative, getting to have some fun, doing something different, and connecting at people or connecting with people in a different way. And, and really what I got it was, I was out several different places. I mean, this happened in a couple weeks span when I first started kind of doing it. I literally was out with Patricia. And one of my daughter's, uh, my daughter's friends' dads, who I knew, but I, you know, I wouldn't say were friends, he comes up to me. He's like, dude, I love your stuff. I watch it all the time. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, like, it was crazy. And then another person who I was on a board with before, um, that's in one of the nonprofits in in town, comes up to me, she's like, I can't believe what Fannie Mae is doing with those LLPAs. And I'm like, what the, like, she's watching my stuff. I didn't even know it. And then I've had other people just come up to me and say, Oh, yeah, I love this, or I can't believe and I'm like, holy, I didn't even know they were watching it. Right. And so the feedback that I've gotten has been cool. Or I've met people out in the business, just out in the community or in the business who all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, blah, blah, how's this going? I'm like, I don't even know you. And they're talking to me like they know me. It's because they've been following me on my various video platforms. So it all kind of came together of like, this is another way of keeping up with my clients in more of a passive way-ish, but also showing you're the expert. I get to keep up with other people who I didn't even know followed me. You know, or, or even paying attention. And I get to be creative. So it's like I get to do something that's really good for my business. I get to do something that's really good for me and it's having an impact in a slow market. And so that's what I have been able to do. So I've really gotten back into that and committed to that. So I've been very good at that. And then I've also been doing using video in advertising. And I just started video advertising on YouTube and we already got a call from it. And I've only been doing it like two weeks. So it's one of those things where I'm trying new, like consumer direct, new different ideas that I either didn't have the time for, or just was so busy, I wasn't able to think about new creative things. And all of a sudden, I'm trying new things out, and I'm seeing some success already, and I haven't even done it that long. So I guess for me, is it's one of those things, this is a time that allows me to do new things, to be creative, to try things I didn't have time or the bandwidth to do, that now I can do that's benefiting my business in a different way. And so I think it's just one of those things with with going and and going to my passion video, right? Like if you're passionate about something else, do it. But it's just really cool that I've been able to do that. And and I can see myself even doing more. I think there's a lot more on the table that I could do to help our business in that way and also to enjoy what I do. So I, I think that's really what this time has allowed me to do is really look at what makes me happy and new ways to get business or to connect with people that I just didn't do before or didn't, I didn't get the why, but I do now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm so impressed because you you there's a lot of stereotypes about industries or jobs and you've really kind of changed the landscape. I know you're not alone. There's other guys and gals that are using video but it's really uh, in alignment with who you are. And I think what I'm really trying to say to the audience is when you are I don't want to say faking it, but when you are leveraging your skill sets, your passions, your your true interests, there's an energy. Um, and I always see people that kind of run away from the pack in terms of success. That might be they love their job more, they make more money, whatever. There's all kinds of definitions of success. But what, what Michael's doing is he's really an example of leveraging his zone of genius, even in an industry where you may not think of it as sexy with video and creativity. Um, it's an interesting thing you've done. I'm just curious. Tactfully, like when you're doing a video, do you post it on Instagram and it also shows on Facebook? Like, where are you displaying your content?
0: Yeah, so it's all over. Um, so when I create a video, I create it for Instagram in mm-hmm. terms of you know the the video um, whatever the the type of video that I'm doing in terms of the uh, the, the dimensions. That's the what vertical. I'm to say. The dimensions. So oh. I film it for Instagram. Yep. Right. So it's really filmed for that. But the really cool thing is, yes, Instagram then automatically posts it to my Facebook. And then what I do is I also take that same video that I've created for Instagram and now Facebook, and I upload it now to YouTube Shorts. And then I also started recently posting it to LinkedIn. Okay. So the cool thing is, is like, and it's interesting because you're on different demographics. And I can get into why I don't do TikTok. But The way I I do this is really interesting. Some of the videos I will do will do really well on Instagram. They won't do well on Facebook or YouTube shorts. And then conversely, some of the stuff that doesn't do that great on Instagram will do really well on Facebook or really well on YouTube or, you know, LinkedIn is one of those things. Sometimes it's hard to tell exactly what you reach and it's a different kind of thing because it's not really going to outside your business circle, but it's still another, you know, another entity. But YouTube is, you know. It's the big, second biggest search engine. I mean, and it's owned by Google. This is number one. So it's one of those things where yeah. it's really cool what they're doing with short. So it's like, if I can create one piece of content, share it over four different mediums mediums, and really going over four kind of different audiences in a lot of cases. Yep. That it's just interesting. Some of the content plays better on others than than another one. So it's kind of cool. I create one piece of content and then I'm able to use it over four different you know mediums that go to four different crowds, really. And so wherever someone is comfortable, they can see it. Um, I just haven't done TikTok because TikTok, number one, has a really young demographic, which is not home buyers. So, I mean, that's not one of those things. And then two, there's a lot of political things going on where they might be like Montana banned them. You know, certain college campuses have banned TikTok. There's a lot of things going on. I don't want to spend my time putting it on a service that may be banned yeah. or changed considerably. So I'd rather have them figure out the regulatory junk and then i can invest my time in it until then i'll stick with the four that i know aren't going anywhere
1: i love it i mean i i wasn't going to ask you this question but you just kind of made me think of it so let's just say somebody's watching this and maybe it's not lending maybe it's something totally different but they're really captivated by your the video that you're talking about is it easy to to articulate the differences between the different mediums and what kind of audience they attract just for maybe somebody's an influencer, like why Facebook versus, you know, LinkedIn versus, okay.
0: Well, I would say this. So what I've noticed, and again, with the type of videos that play, and and then kind of what we, when you look up the trends, Instagram tends to be your 30 through like 50 year olds in that kind of range. So that's what Instagram really is targeting and, and seems to be the demographic that are on there which is what i want i mean that's in in the lending business that's what i want 30 to 50 year olds you know really and and even older facebook tends to frame a little bit older so older crowd so for instance if i do a video about reverse mortgages instagram doesn't do that great facebook it'll do a lot better so i'm just saying it's there's an older demographic youtube is a mix the the interesting thing about youtube is and what I like about YouTube that I need to do more is Instagram and Facebook are, tell it to me quick, very short attention spans. YouTube people go there to learn. They really do. That's why, I mean, I, I listen to a ton of podcasts, you know, video podcasts, things like that. And some of those episodes will be like two hours, right? Yeah. And, that, and they have hundreds of thousands, millions of views. I mean, people go to YouTube and they expect it to be longer. So even though you're doing the YouTube short, so you have a blip, YouTube is a way you could go if you needed to long form it. Because and and backtracking real quick, Turkey. What has been really good for me is I love to talk, and I love to get into details. Right, forcing me to do Instagram and be at a minute and a half or less has been really good about being succinct. So it's it's tel- it's helped me with another skill set when real I need quick, to do that.
1: Real quick, you 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 say you joke about liking to talk, but the th- difference with you and this is really important for people to pay attention to is. You are succinct, you don't waste words, you don't ramble, and you also are a really good listener. Like we do this thing called Scriptapalooza where two a guy and a gal or two guys will go and they'll have a scenario and one guy will and and, and you're one of the best in our group at it and it's a real skill set and it's not just about being a good talker, it's also about knowing when to shut up, when to listen and I mean that's that's a real skill that you probably leverage all the time.
0: No, I appreciate derking. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. It's one of those things, again, I do love to talk. I, I love to have, but talk like back and forth, right? I love to have conversations. I love to think and have people around me that, you know, like the same. But I realize I know that I saw people in our business. I'm really good about learning from other people's mistakes. I saw people in our business trying to sell. And it made me uncomfortable because I'm like, shut up. I can't even get a word in. And so it got me to think like, talk less, listen more. And when I started doing, and plus I'm interested in people. So to be interested, you have to listen. And so I think if you're genuinely interested in what they have to say, it's easy to listen. And then you realize that the more you listen, the more you learn about people, the deeper relationship you can have. And so, because you know about them, right? So I do have to remind myself sometimes, because I can get really passionate about a certain topic. But I do remind myself that I want to hear what this other person is saying. And so to like hold back sometimes, 100%. Yeah, And it's I get a great it. skill to have because again, Durkey, you're right on. Sales is not about just influencing someone to make a decision by you speaking. It also is everything else you do with the process, including how well you listen. Because the number one thing about sales is how do you make someone feel really good about you? Like when you're talking to someone brand new, How do you make them like you? You let them talk a ton. It's true. I mean, when you let someone talk and actually express themselves, they're so not used to being able to do that. They almost instantly like you because you actually listen to them. And that's a skill that a lot of people don't have and is tough at times to to learn, but it's a really important skill. No doubt about
1: it. If my wife leaves me and I have to start dating again, I'm gonna try that. I'm just not gonna say anything on the first date. I'm just gonna smile. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know what I really, what I should be doing is I want to write skits like Saturday Night Live skits, you know, weird moments where people are just, I don't know, there's <laughs> some, there's some about these little scenarios that play out in my head. Um, yes. Maybe we can do that someday. Um, you know, we don't have all day, but, but one of the things I really wanted to get in with you as well, um, because so, so Michael's really knowledgeable about a lot of things. AI is something I think you're pretty dialed into. Yeah. And I'm not at your level, uh, nor like on with crypto and all that stuff. But, you know, I've been doing a lot of podcast, you know, researching, listening to people, you know, for the spectrum on the alarmist all the way down to the folks that are not alarmed at all. I I'm personally more on the alarmist side. Um, and, you know, it's interesting if you're watching this again, maybe you don't want to get into lending, maybe you want to be a painter, or uh, financial services or whatever. I think it's really important to at least be open to what AI can do. Um, and I heard, I think you saw the same podcast when they talked about um, AI is going at a 1000x. And if you take the smartest person ever versus a, they call them moron, it's 3x. Yeah. So 1000x is like, crazy. We don't even fathom what that means, right? I mean, we yep. don't even know where it's going. Um, what do you think in terms of just our industry? Like, are you worried about AI? Or do you, you, are you welcoming it with open arms? I mean, personally, I think it's going to eliminate a lot of jobs personally.
0: It is, Xerky, but I don't necessarily specifically look at our industry. I think if you're, I mean, realistically, if you're in a job, that really re- requires very little, let's just to be honest, like very little skill, you will be. I mean, you're already seeing fast food restaurants, for instance, you know, things where uh, even checkout lines at Target. I mean, they're doing more self-serve checkout. I mean, those, those kind of things where it's just not a huge skill set, those are going to be replaced. But quite frankly, they're almost being forced replaced because so many employers are having trouble hiring people to do the jobs to begin with. So it's kind of a, chicken, the egg kind of thing, like it's going to almost be self-fulfilling. I think if you are someone, you know, the one thing that AI is not going to do is be able to influence people in the same way. So if you can influence, so that's usually some kind of sales. If you are really good at influencing people with the right intentions, I don't mean influencing in the bad, but if you're able to influence people, you're going to have, like, there's going to be a need for you. Um, I think other things like this is AI is a trippy thing because before we always used to be told clearly, if you do a regular service job, like, again, what I just talked about, your job's probably gone. But a lot of people were like, well, computer engineers and, you know, engineers and all these people like higher level skills, they'll be fine. They won't under AI. I mean, AI is going to be able to code, you know, (laughs) there's not gonna be the need for as many engineers um, in a lot of respects. So it's going to be interesting. I don't, I'm kind of, I'm in the middle where I don't think you can ignore it, but I also don't think it's in the world. I don't know if we're going to end up like if you, if anyone's seen the movie WALL-E by Disney, like that could be our world. I mean, you know, it's, I don't know if in our lifetime, I don't think so, but that could be, you know, kind of thing where humans don't do anything. Right. They, they just have a life of leisure, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to get to the point where it eliminates everything. I think there's still going to be need because, for instance, Turkey, when the Internet came around, if you were a store or a retail place or any kind of business and you were like, oh, my God, the Internet's going to take everything away. I just, you know, I give up like you got eliminated. But those businesses that got savvy on how to use the Internet, get on the Internet, connect with people, they thrived. So there's always opportunity. I don't I don't pretend to know what the world's going to look like. But I do know that there tends to be jobs created that people had no idea, like, how can we know a jobs to be created? when we don't even know, like, we don't even know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know what jobs are going to be needed. Like some of the jobs today, like solar workers, if you talk to someone, you know, 50 years ago, it'd be like, solar what? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, and that's a, the green industry is a huge industry of employing people and actually quite frankly, good paying jobs. Yeah. So it's one of those things. I don't know where it's going to go, but I don't think it's in the world necessarily. I mean, they could turn into Terminator. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I mean, that's kind of legit, which is scary. But I think it'll be somewhere in the middle where yes, some jobs that we're having trouble filling right now are gonna go. Whereas there'll be new jobs that we don't even know about that'll be there. And then for people who are on the sales side or influence side, I think you're always gonna have some kind of job because quite frankly, it's a it's a limited skill set that people can truly influence other people. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think depending on what you do, you'll be fine. And especially in our lifetime, maybe the next I mean, who knows, but I, I'm just not as down on it. I, I'm not saying it can't be that way. I'm just saying I I've seen how I can use it in my business to help me. And it's been kind of cool, quite frankly. I mean, if you've played on chat, GT, or GPT, it's pretty crazy, creepy and cool all at the same time. Can you give me like two examples or give the audience like two yeah. ways you're using it to enhance your business? Yes. So this is an awesome thing. Emails, simple emails talk about there'll be some times like I, I template everything, but what I do is sometimes, I mean, some of these emails I've had for quite some time or a situation comes up. I'm like, you know what? I don't have a template that really goes with, it, or I think it could be better. So what I'll do is I'll go to chat GTP or GPT. And I'll put in, hey, I've got this situation. I'm a loan officer. You know, this this email, blah blah. I'll kind of put in some information, create an email for me, and it's created some emails where I'm like, holy, like this is a freaking good email. Like I have to do some tweaks, but it's a good email. Like the wording is right, the um, feeling that you get from the email is right. Like it just is a really good email and very succinct to the point and gets my point across in a in a really good way, or at least it gives me a framework to get there really quickly. And so in terms of upping productivity, I mean, when I have a situation, like create this email or like if I was a big blogger, I'd be on this all day. I mean, I could just put in, create a blog post for me and it would. Now you got to fact check it because they haven't updated it. They haven't done updates since 2021. So if there's current information, it's not going to be there. But still, if you're writing with some basic stuff, it can make, create content really fast. Like again, if you're a blogger or you want to create a newsletter, I mean, holy moly, you could probably create a newsletter in under an hour that might take you days, you know, before. You could create a ton of content. Um, so give me emails, an example. Content creation, any of that?
1: Huh? Sorry to interrupt you. Give me an example, like just like s- something that you've done, like specifically, like hey, um, write an article. You know, prompting. Yes. Give me just give give us one example. Like I real. did
0: one. So there was a. I don't remember the topic, Durky, but I did an Insta. It was on a more complex topic, and it's perfect for me. But I understand not everyone in the audience is going to understand the intricacies. So what I did is I went to chat and I said, hey, here's the topic I'm trying to do a video on. Can you write a script as though I'm talking to a child? And it did, and it did it beautifully and eloquently. So then I took those ideas from the script and I created the video. Mm -hmm. And so the video did really well because it connected people who didn't have a deep level understanding of the concept. It really kind of simplified it. And I have trouble doing that myself because I know it complex. So it's hard for me to downgrade what I know, but I understand that people need to, you know, that's how I connect with people. So I, I it. used it to literally create a script that's talking to a child about a very complex topic and it did it great. So I mean, in terms of that, Durkey, it was yeah. really good with communicating. Um, and another example, I just talked to Patricia about this. She was doing, hey, I'm creating this Instagram post and I, you know, Instagram reel, I need a script. If I'm trying to reach out, if I'm trying to target uh, an audience of women, write me a script. If I'm trying to target an audience of men, write me a script. Script was totally different. So what I'm saying is if you're a content creator mm. or you're trying to target a certain a certain demographic, a certain thing, it can really help you do that. So it can help you be more dialed in, more productive, and actually more impactful with your message. So that's, in terms of that, I mean, that's just a real world use. That's Forget scary. about it, it, can create charts and graphs for you. Like it can really create content for you to be able to communicate with people in a much faster and easier way. But so it's, from that perspective, yeah. it's
1: been- That's it's scary, been awesome. Michael. I mean, that's like what you just said was a, a difference between the man and woman. Like that, yep. that's when emotion or whatever yep. kicks in. So it's almost like in that podcast, like they're, they're like our children, they're watching and they're learning. Uh, and you said like it won't ever- Become influencers, but I almost think it could. I almost feel like it can. It's going to learn emotion and like how to speak differently to different groups.
0: I don't know. I can do that, Dirk. But the empathy empathy is something that's going to take a while. The empathy and and knowing how to say something in a certain situation, depending on how the certain person is acting or what they're going through on the back end, might again. I'm not saying it can ever get there, but I think that's going to be the hardest thing. At least. And let me go this, I'm not an expert in this, but I have listened to a lot of experts in this and because I'm super curious about it. And that is the one thing they've noted that could be the challenge to take a little while is to be able to do that. So I think there still is room for a human in the interaction.
1: I was thinking about like, my wife and I speak different love languages. You know the book? Yes. Hers is words of affirmation. And I'm like, I could really use this with, better words for, you know, cause I, I'm not, that's not my love language, but maybe I'll try chat GBT uh next time we get in an argument and uh, see what happens.
0: Seriously. Really? Yeah. It's, it, it's really kind of crazy how I can do it, but it, it's just one of those things I think in business, it can be used a lot of different ways. And I've actually seen people create charts, like, Hey, I put all this information, create a chart. So you yeah. don't have to be an Excel, you know, or a PowerPoint expert. Like he can create things, create website code things, I mean, just that its Monday, you know, basic function right now it can do. Imagine giving more updates. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it can make life a lot easier in certain aspects, um, for sure. And then you're, but you're absolutely right. You know, certain jobs are definitely gonna go away. But I mean, when we went from the horse and buggy to the car, well, jobs went away, but jobs were created. So the world just changed. So I think that's what that's what a big thing about growth mindset is, is that you realize things are gonna change. And then how do I adapt? to that change so that I can continue to grow. I love it. With you doing all this video,
1: I was just envisioning, is there ever a scenario where there's an avatar of you and you use chat GBT4 to come up with a script and it's not actually you even talking?
0: Well, I mean, that's a possibility. I mean, you can already do some crazy stuff like that. For me, I mean, I would, what I would actually love to do more of is the long form podcasting. That's what I really love. Um, you know, having interesting guests, interesting topics, and having the time to actually dig deep and talk about them, that I would love to do. Having the avatar, I mean, that doesn't do anything for me. I mean, I guess you could at some point, but I actually enjoy connecting with people. But for someone who's a total introvert, absolutely. 100%. Sure. Yeah. So as we wind down, is there anything I haven't asked
1: you? I mean, the name of the game, obviously, is we're trying to help people make better decisions about choosing careers and what yeah. they do. And you've had a, a lot of experience. You're a wise, smart dude that is successful. What would you say like to someone coming out of school? You went to San Francisco State? Yeah, San Francisco State, yeah. All right, let's just say some young woman, young man's coming out and like, I don't know what the hell I wanna do. Like, what's your advice to people because what you know, you and I have had the training with Tim and the coaching and all that, where we we go deep, we go inside, we really try to identify like those unique things about us. But a lot of younger adults don't think like that. They're thinking about paying off school debt. They're thinking about, you know, getting a nice car, getting moving out, getting their own place. Mm-hmm. The dance here is I'm trying to get them to think differently about a very important decision they're gonna make. And I do understand too, it's like yeah. dating. Sometimes they need to get the hell out and just experience jobs to know what they like. But yeah. I do think there's an opportunity for them to do a little inspection or a, you know, whatever the word is, dissection, introspection, but yeah. introspection yeah. yeah. What's your advice to somebody that might be like, listening like, huh, I kinda understand what they're saying, but it sounds a little woo woo. Like, yeah. But I think it's really important.
0: What would you say to someone that's like, I don't know, dude, what I wanna do? Well, Durky, you described me perfectly. Okay. Coming out of college, or excuse me, out of high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. My parents were both teachers. I knew I didn't want to do that. My grandfather was a super successful business person, retired at 55. But the business he was in, I didn't want to do. And he had already retired, so it didn't matter anyhow. But I had no clue. I knew that I was leaning towards business. I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking. But I actually went to the JC for the first two years because I had no clue what I wanted to do. Like, Zero. I thought about business, but what I did is, and this to my parents is, they said, "Hey, just try a bunch of different things." So what I did at the JC is, I took a ton of different classes. I took stuff in communications and video, you know, economics, business, like I just all over the place. And what that did is, all of a sudden, I remember I was in a media class. I was doing business, and you know, all that fine, but I I can't say I was like loving it. But when I did communications, all of a sudden I'm like, ooh. Like, I just felt viscerally that, like, this is something I'm interested in. And then I kind of looked at, well, what could I do, you know, in communications? And so I literally just started looking around. And then all of a sudden I was like, huh, I found that San Francisco State had a really good broadcasting program. It's called BECA, um, Broadcast and Electronic Communication Arts. It's a really, and they just built a beautiful new building. Every, I mean, they have full studios, everything. Anyway, they have one of the best on the West Coast for this degree. And I'm like, shit, like, this would be amazing. So I said, you know what, That just feels right. I didn't try it really. I just, I'd done communication classes. I really liked it. I really liked that. And then I thought, huh, I could do broadcasting and I didn't even know what I would be in an on air behind the scenes, whatever. I just, that was something that got me. And so I you know, enrolled, got into that program and did that. And I just, I really loved it. Like I really liked it. And so I did it and obviously I did it in my career, you know, right out of school. I was the first one to get a job of like two that actually got a job in the industry. And I did that and it was great. But when that changed and I came back and Patricia got me, you know, got me into the loan side, it's kind of cool because now my broadcasting has come back into my business. I've been able to use the skill sets that I learned through broadcasting through college now in my business. That's also helped me differentiate from a lot of other people in my business because a lot of people talk about doing video, but they don't actually do it. And they don't do it at a high level, so it's one of those things. What I would say is, don't feel overpressured. Mm-hmm. Try different things. Like, don't yeah. be scared to try some weird class, whatever. It's first semester, you'll live. Like, try it because you might like it, you might enjoy it, and then also you never know where it's going to, you know, where it's going to come back. Like, you may learn some skill that you don't use right away, but sometimes you can find a way to use it in your business, or sometimes you get another business where you use a skill. So I would just say be patient with yourself, try different things. And you never know, because when I said, I believe things work out, you never know how things are going to come together. Like you just like, if you would ask me, you know, 20 years ago, okay, are you going to be in the loan business? Because I mean, that's something I never even thought of. And then am I going to be doing video with the loan, you know, really as a big part of my business? You know, I I wouldn't have had a clue. So it just being open minded and be willing to try different things and give it. it your all you know, and try to make it, because I think a lot of people give up too early, like they could have a really good job, but they're like, Oh, you know, this, there's always excuses. And I had those initially in loans. But I think if you stick with something, and you really find a way to make it work, that can be powerful, too. Because sometimes you don't, because I'll tell you, when I first got a loan, I can't tell you, I loved it. I was good at it. But I can't say I loved it. But it's become that way over years of me putting in work, and really learning the craft that now I do. Yeah. But it wasn't that way initially. And if I'd given up right away, I would have never gotten here. Yeah. I mean, you're almost like in the education
1: and entertainment, not like fictional, but like, and oh, by the way, you, you, you do loans, right? Um, It's interesting when you reframe it like that. I mean, maybe a good lesson for our audience is, you know, there's different ways to be you within industries that might seem old and rigid and uh you know lending is kind of boring in a lot of ways to be honest but uh michael's found a way to be him in it and very successful um one of my questions last questions i asked and you got to take uh let's you got to take biz dev off the table you got to take anything like uh, tv reporting is there a dream job just and i ask this question just so the audience can get to know you in a different way uh like it's sometimes it's really interesting for me to like is there something you would love to do? Uh, you know, that you tell Patricia, like if I could only do this. Um, what is it or is it? I Actually mean, I have two. Okay. There's 2 Let's hear them.
0: So one of them is, well, one is my passion. The other is an, another kind of passion. So I love to build things. Mm-hmm. So as I got into real estate, I was like, if I had infinite resources, you know, if I won the lottery, I want a couple hundred million. Yep. What I would do is, I would actually get into building. Like, I would build, like, get into the actual, like, rehabbing home, like, not necessarily flipping per se, but I love taking properties that are run down and fixing them up or buildings or, you know, opportunities that come up. I would actually do something like that. Like, it would be something in there, like a contractor, builder, you know, whatever, but it would be something like that to take some dilapidated buildings, fix them up and really kind of regenerate the neighborhood. Like, that is a passion because I, it's weird, but I just, I love building and creating. So for me, that would be super cool to do it. I don't want to do it with my own hands. I want to come up with a concept. Like I want to go find the properties. I want to design them, come up with the concept and then have someone else implement it, you know, from a high level. But I would love to do something like that. So that would be one. I could totally do that. The other one was I would just travel around the world and I guess be a travel blogger, really. Because you know how much I travel out as is. But like, I could totally do that. I mean, if I was traveling, I don't know, nine months out of the year, 10 months, I'd be okay with that. Like I would, so I guess I could do that. Something involved in traveling uh, something that would allow me to travel and enjoy and experience amazing things and be able to share that with people um, would be another thing that I would totally be into. I mean, I, I love those experiences as is. Uh, So it would just be something that kind of goes in my wheelhouse with, with just living life.
1: Where's your favorite place you've ever been to? Ooh, that's tough.
0: I mean, I always love going to Hawaii.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I mean, the vibe there just calms me down, but I will say, I, I got to say it's a tie. When I did the African safari, that was hurt. I mean, that was epic. Like to be there with an animal, you know, a big lion within like five, 10 feet of you with no cage in between you. That's freaking powerful. Um, and then when we went to the Galapagos, yeah, there is something about the Galapagos islands. When you're there, It's pretty magical. And to be, to be able to interact with animals that close and have really no other humans. Like you literally had an Island where it's just your group of, you know, 40 people and you get to interact with the animals and just be there pretty freaking special. Like there's something special about the Galapagos. Like you come back a, a little different. Um, so to me, it would be definitely like those, those are kind of a tie to me. I mean, different experiences, but They change you as a person when you go through those two things, for sure. How you see the world changes.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're making me think of something, too, for advice for people. If you don't know, like, if you can afford it, or maybe you go, you know, to Europe or uh, Australia or whatever and go work and just get out and travel and meet people. I I think that's really, you know, I I think people get rushed into college really quickly uh, out of high school. And personally, I would love to see, like, a gap year or gap two years to go kind of get some life experience. Because I think, you know, coming out when I was a senior in high school, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. And my degree was difficult. I got out in four years and I don't use any of it. But I I, I think I would have done life very different with a little more life experience. But Michael, um, you're a great guy. I really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything I missed? Or do you feel like we... Hit most of it.
0: No, Dirk, but I think your last point is really succinct and really perfect for that. I, I do agree with that. When you are able to travel, see the world, see how it is in other places, see how other people, how other places view, like even us in the US, like when we're outside of the country. It really changes your viewpoint on how you see the world, how things really are, how other people are. The world becomes a very small and less scary place. That's why I think for kids, like, especially if you have young kids, you know, anyone listening to this, like get your travel with your kids. Like, I mean, that is the biggest gift you can give them is when you have that open mind and realize that your world's not very small or not, you know, like people think, Hey, I've never left my town. You know, never left my area. They have a very small sense of the world and things can be very scary when you and your family experience the world. It, it gives you a different vibe. You see things very differently. And it can help you connect and communicate with different people because you've experienced kind of how, you know, how they live or just how it is it, it, it different around the world. And you can appreciate what you have even more necessarily too. So I think it's one of those things what you said would be perfect. I think a lot of world problems would probably be solved if we had more people interacting with each other and traveling and learning each other's, you know, just way of life and how they see things. Yeah. I think it would be big and it definitely helps in business when you can understand where people are coming from, from a different angle.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I also think that, uh, I mean, just, I, I, went away my best year ever in lending. I went away for two months out of the year with my family. We lived in Italy, Siena, Italy, and then we spent a little time in Southern France and I just wanted to do it. The kids were young and my best memory, one of them is sitting in the piazza in Siena where they do the paleo. It's a horse race. And my wife and I are drinking wine and my son and daughter are playing soccer with the local kids in Siena and they're playing music. And I'm like, but we grew so much as a family. And then for two years, we moved to Sun Valley, Idaho and put the kids in school. And I just did my job in Idaho. And I'm I'm just thinking, it's like the best three things I've ever done for me and my family. So I'm right with you on that. Michael, next time you go somewhere nice, take me. Um, I think I could be a good third addition to your group. We're,
0: We're going to Italy in a month.
1: Are you going with the whole group? Oh man, you're going to have to. Yeah. So the guy that, uh, I got to know, he, I think he's getting you your paleo tickets, uh, oh, cool. Dar- Dario, he's a tour guide in Siena and I hooked him up with Tim years ago. And, uh, you're
0: going to, have you been to Siena? I have not, I've been to Italy before, but I've okay. not been in Siena, but it'll be the first time for Patricia.
1: Yeah. It's my favorite city in the world. Um, anyways, have fun. Thanks, Michael. You're a stud and, uh, you threw a lot of really good information at the audience. I appreciate
0: it. Thank you, my friend.
1: All right, bud.